and welcome to Through the Pinard, your conversational podcast talking to midwives around the world about the research they are doing to improve midwifery practice. This research can range from small quality improvement programs and projects to those starting partway through or just finishing their postgraduate studies and to those that have been there, done that and got the t-shirt. So settle back and enjoy the conversation. And remember, you can continue the conversation on Twitter after you finish listening. Hi, and welcome to the Clayton's first anniversary special. I had grand plans about making this really good first anniversary special. And unfortunately, finishing up the academic year and then having a total knee replacement proved that I can't do everything and that I'm human after all, and it never happened. So it's taken me a few more weeks than I thought to bounce back, but never mind, we will do something alternative and make plans for next year. And let's face it, in reality, when I started this podcast a year ago, I wasn't sure it was going to last a year, because for it to be successful, it relied on people saying yes when I cold-called them, to actually say, would you like to chat about you and your work and your PhD on this podcast? So over the last 12 months, we have had 3,500 downloads of the podcast, and that has been across 44 countries and 561 cities. So for something that doesn't have advertisement, except for through Twitter and retweets, and the social media pages. That means that the 27 interviews that have been posted have been able to be accessed by people who normally wouldn't get the opportunity to probably learn more about the authors of some of the research papers that they have read or will be reading in the future. And that means that I'm extremely grateful for all the people who have said yes to the people that have said, I'm not ready yet, or I'm writing up, can you kind of hit me back in six months' time? And I have a list of them to kind of come up in the future. And it is purely because this podcast is designed to tell your story. So if you've done a PhD, if you've kind of just pleated it, you've done it in the past, this is a story of how you got there, of showcasing the multiple different pathways that people can pick to actually go into research and to show that it can be complementary to a clinical role. Because I know from my experience, and this is going back to my nursing, I did a nursing certificate and then I upgraded to a Bachelor of Health Science in nursing and then I got a letter saying, congratulations, we're offering you honours and it's a great pathway into a PhD. And I looked at the letter and thought, I'm... A ward nurse, I'm an ICU nurse, what do I need this for? And never took it up. Because I didn't have somebody to sit down and talk to me and go, well done, academically, but what an honours allows you to do or the advantage of a PhD is that you can focus on one area for a short period of time and try and work out a solution to it. Now, if somebody had sat me down back then and had told me this, I would have jumped at the opportunity because it made sense to me. But because nobody did in those times, and as much as I was still nerdy and geeky back then, 
I didn't see the linkage between clinical and between academia and especially what I classified as that higher level academia of PhDs, which I thought the elite did. And it is still an elite thing to do. 1% of the world's population have PhDs. But it's not a matter of being smart enough. It's a matter of being alert to take up the opportunities that if you want to solve a problem, if you want to explore an issue and you want to focus on it for a distinct period of time with a fantastic support team around you in the most cases, it's not something you do by yourself. It's something that you do with others. And granted, the systems that we have within Australia with the UK and other countries and the way that we do our PhDs and the way that they are funded is very different. But if you can have that opportunity to solely focus on a problem that you are interested in, then the PhD is actually a really good pathway to go to. So this podcast is about trying to demystify that journey, but also listen to how people have come into the PhD journey from very different pathways. And the fact that you can look at something that can be clinical-based, educational-based, that can be upstream, it can be downstream to the birth, it can be about governance, it can be about broader issues, everything is open because midwives cover all of those areas. We cover maternity, we cover midwifery, obstetrics, we cover public health, we public governance. Like every decision that relates to a woman and reproduction is available for midwives to be involved in. So having a very quick look back at what we have covered this year and looking at Sue's PhD on vaccine hesitancy in pregnant women and nobody knew that COVID was going to hit and it was going to continue to be an issue as it is now. Um, and especially when you're looking at some of the issues to do with COVID uh, vaccination. But she was looking more so to do with influenza. Jen looked at relationships at the Centre of Lactation Consultants. And the really interesting thing is that the good consultants sat and listened. And they dealt with the issues that the women were concerned with, not what they thought the problem was. And so that listening is really important. Elise talked about reframing language of birth through birth narratives and the words and the meanings and how those stories can actually be quite powerful in influencing future births as well. Liz talked about supporting the needs of fathers and parents, uh, partners, sometimes as parents, but also looking at those fathers because it's very easy to be pushed to the side. And we know now within the post-COVID world we're living in that they have restricted times within hospitals if they can get in at all. And we've seen the big push that initially partners were kicked out and then understanding the need for a support person, that only one person but a limited time. So the future effect, knock-on effect of support partners and, and fathers is going to be very interesting. Claire talked about practising outside the guidelines while still within the system and the choices that women are making for a variety of reasons. And this has been a, a very common conversation over the last 12 months or more. Helena talked about the F word being the fetus and using the word fetus. Um, she also talked about art and anxiety midwifery and using art and music therapy to help women deal with their anxiety. 
um, and she's got a couple of papers coming out, um, more of an update with that soon too. Helen talked about the role of visual management tools for the coordination of teams in healthcare. So looking at some of the coloured charts and how people react to them and do they not think about whether the individual is within a safe range, but is it stopping that critical thinking? Isabel talked about managing PE in Ghana and the differences within the regional and urban and resources and the changes that need to be made in the healthcare system to work harder to decrease the mortality rate. Tara talked about supervision. So a guest speaker kind of coming in and the emerging creative PhD and dissemination of information. And there's a lot of information that we have with PhDs by publication. There's a lot of information of the old um, monolith, the big thesis. But there's other ways that we can do it as well and kind of using an artifact and then kind of like information around it so we can be creative about how we're doing it which is really important for midwifery which is both an art and a science. Cavieri talked about obstetric violence so focus from her point of view in India but also looking at how it's around the world and how that's really really picked up um, and whether it's becoming more noticeable after the um, Me Too movement started as well. Megan talked about who decides what's included in our documentation. I think all of us at multiple stages in our careers have had new paperwork thrust upon us that certain people want to fill out. And it's like, who designs that paperwork? Why is it needed? Is it for clinical reasons? Is it for auditing reasons? Is it for financial reasons and accounting reasons? Like, who designs the forms and who has an input into them? Because it quite often feels like you spend more time doing paperwork than you do actually talking and being with your woman. Robin talked about nipple trauma and gentle breastfeeding and how her expansive years throughout her career and what she has seen and also how that age should be no barrier to study. Um, and we caught her just on her, I think, before her 77th birthday. Um, Linda Sweet kind of had her editor's hat on for Women and Birth and was talking about publications and writing for journals. Hopefully next year she'll be back with her own research hat on, but talking about the process of what happens when you put a publication in, some tips and tricks. Sean talked about the death and the rebirth of vaginal breech birthing skills, and we see this in particular with both midwifery and medical staff, and we need to keep these skills and how she's gone about recording and putting training together that actually keep these skills going and as part of my Christmas next week, I will be doing, hopefully, doing her course online. Tanya talked about workplace bullying and from the midwifery student experience. And it's something that I don't understand having been involved in nursing and midwifery initially from nursing from the 80s. I don't understand why it still happens, why it needs to happen. It's non-productive. It doesn't cost much to be polite to other people. But it's how do, we, how do we get the students to report it in the first place because their assessments deal on it, they have so much hanging out, the power imbalance is huge. And then how do we get them to actually sustain it so they can stay in the system but they can change the system as well. Jennifer talked about respectful maternity care in Ghana and then we also talked about how it's becoming a global issue and relates to obstetric violence, which is not always physical, it can also be emotional, it can also be verbal. 
as well. And then what is respectful maternity care and the fact that women are expecting it to happen, but because of pressures happening outside, it doesn't. Melissa talked about how she started with a paramedic ride-on for her placement and she kept on doing it through her midwifery course and now she's kind of looking at how that links in and having a midwifery placement in the area of her care, um, in the NHS area that she works in and how that considers and improves the pre-hospital maternity care um, experience. Carolyn spoke about her whole-of-degree approach to developing undergraduate midwifery student teamwork skills. We kind of think everyone can work as a team and we automatically assume that everyone can work as a team, not realising that we actually need information on how to work as a team because a lot of people haven't done it successfully or they've had bad examples or they've had bad people skills. They don't know how to do that negotiation. They don't know how to do that delegation that's polite and that leadership um, from the front or from the middle. And so, in fact, hers has been one of the, the most downloaded podcasts so far. Franca spoke about her experiences with twinning and strengthening midwifery agency between midwifery associations um, and how that needs to be a reciprocal experience for both associations that may not necessarily be about an exchange of money, but an exchange of ideas and supports, mentoring and preceptorship that actually gives back. And when you're looking at mixtures of high-resource to low-resource countries, you still need to have it balanced because that understanding of what's automatic in one country is not in another is a great learning thing, and that can help expand our understanding of sustainability as well. Sally talked about compassionate workplace and leadership. So as opposed to looking at the women, she was looking at the staff and how the environment of the staff has a direct influence on the women as well and how we know that when people do get stressed that quite often one of the most common ways of dealing it is substance use. So they did a questionnaire before COVID um, hit the world and they were doing a follow-up one 12, 18 months later and looking at the substance use by midwives, one of the first in the world to look at that. We also talked a little bit about arts-based practice in healthcare as well. Diane talked about what compassionate midwifery care is, and I think one of the brilliant things about that chat was she didn't define what compassionate care was, that it was up to the women to tell her what they thought compassionate care was. And when they knew that a midwife was engaged with them or still kind of like out in the corridor running through the extra things that they needed to do and the difference that that actually made. Kirsten Small was our first non-midwife um, and she's an obstetrician, but it was looking at her PhD around being K2'd by the central CTG monitoring. So K2 um, software and the fact that the midwife may be in the room doing something, but then suddenly people are kind of coming in, responding to what they've seen on a short screen out in the central room and how decisions were being made outside of that immediate bubble with the woman being taken into consideration as well. Jenny Carter looked at her and we talked about her involvement with the Quip um, app. If you haven't got it, recommend that you download it. And her 
a data for um, asymptomatic and symptomatic predicting preterm birth component to it. So they've done thousands of collections of data points and so you're able to put in some key information, predictors, some measurements and actually find out what the percentage chance of that preterm birth is, which allows people, especially when you're looking at rural, remote or after hours care, that kind of peace of mind maybe of when escalation needs to happen. Alison was talking about supporting new grads in continuity of care models of care. We know continuity of care model is ideal. It could be perfect for everyone. We know every woman deserves a midwife and some need an obstetrician. And we're all happy to work with that, but we're still fighting the system to get continuity of cares in. And one of the biggest things of fighting the system is that the supposed understanding that graduates are not ready for continuity of care, that they need more experience before they go there. So Alison was talking about her experience of being a mentor for a group of new grads who did continuity of care and how they use that system. And it's been actually picked up by other units around not only Australia, but also around the world as well, which is good. And we need to see that. We need to get them in. We've got new grads who are expecting to work in continuity of care models, who are coming out, going into hospital models, who are getting disillusioned and therefore losing, leaving the profession. And we can't afford that in any country um, to do with midwifery. Lorna talked about sustainability in midwifery and in birth, and not just sustainability in staff, but also in the environmental concepts of midwifery as well. And it was, I think, one of the things that triggered for me was our postgraduate studies, especially if we've got masters and we've got endorsed um, midwives, that do they need to do some business units as well on how to set up a business and how to record keep or how to order inventory and how to kind of rotate your inventory and looking at, because in the hospitals and the public hospitals, we're so used to just going to a storeroom and grabbing something and not thinking of the cost. Um, I know in some private hospitals they actually have the cost per unit on the box so it kind of makes people a little bit more aware and I think the COVID may have made that a little bit more understanding especially to do with PPE um, and then Mary Sidebotham has talked about her experiences around a range of issues of improving maternity care services through education research and also practice um, and looking at her passions within that and kind of coming through ways in which she can transform health. Um, and I like her kind of statement, leap and a net will appear. That if you have, take the trust, uh, someone will come up and support you in doing that. We're coming into a very busy time of the year. Everyone's crazy in December time. So the next episodes after this one, which will be released um, now is going to be in January so allow everyone to kind of get over the crazy Christmas New Year period um, and then we'll start again in January with some more fascinating talks and it is very much I'm trying to find a collective term because grand mias, grand dames, goddesses don't quite work but I'm wanting to mix and match which is what I've tried to do all year between Australia and the UK I'm trying to pick up some more connections in other countries. Um, I'm going to try and get some transcripts connected up as well, which may help with some people. Um, I'm wanting to 
find a way that people who are not feeling confident with English as a second language can still talk about their research and their PhDs because we can become very Anglo-centric with the information that we share um, because of publications. And we, I want to be able to share some more stories of some different countries because the research they're doing can actually still touch us in other ways. Um, it is my absolute pleasure to be able to spend time with people who have said yes, um, and I'll be cold calling, DMing, emailing, LinkedIn, whatever kind of pathway I can get to. I'll be doing more of it next year, um, and I really want your participation in linking me up with people who can be a part of the conversation as well, who have just finished or people that you want to talk about, be they retired and look at it because I really want to look at that history. I want to look at the people who first done PhDs, where it's taken them to people who are just finishing now, why they've done it, how they're going through. And of course, the fun questions of what got you into it. How did you survive it? What were the patterns, work patterns, and how did you celebrate? Because we need to have that balance in there. So can I, once again, I would like to say on this Clayton celebration, and Clayton's is a kind of like a drink from the 80s. It's a drink you have when you're not having a drink, really. Um, I want to say thank you very much to all 3,500 downloads, to the people behind those downloads, whether you partially listen to it or completely listen to it, whether you've suggested to other people, to everyone who's retweeted um, and who's shared the information. This is podcast for midwifery. It's about our research. It's about the changes that we are making to improve midwifery and maternal care around the world from whichever angle it comes from, be it clinical, be it education, be it governance. Um, and I thank you for indulging and your precious time because your time is just as important in listening to it, whether you listen to it in the car, when you're going for a walk, or when you're cleaning the house. Um, thank you, and wish you a very happy, and more importantly, a very safe, festive season. Um, a happy new year for 2022. Let's hope next year is a little bit different, because it's getting a bit same-same, um, and that in a year's time, we'll actually have a proper celebration of the second anniversary. Thank you for joining us today. You'll find all the links on Twitter, Instagram, and on the podcast website. If you are a midwife and you would like to share your research, your postgraduate studies, or even the quality improvement projects you are doing now, then email me at throughthepinard at gmail.com. Send me a tweet or send me a DM.